welcome to Woman Up, the podcast series by Desperate Art Wives. I'm Susan Merrick and today I'm speaking with artist Etty Wade. Etty began making work about motherhood after her second child was born in the year 2000, with a focus specifically on maternal subjectivity and the maternal gaze. Her photographic series show acute sensitivities to family relationships and specifically the bodily connections between mothers and their children. Hi, Susan. It's lovely talking to you as well. Um, I've not, not been in touch with, um, with the network, with um, mother artists for a long time, so it's really nice to, um, to have this chat. So I know you, Etty, through your photographic works, specifically through your works Jocasta and Nuclear. But actually, I'd really like to start by going further back and ask you, what got you into becoming an artist and photographer? Oh, wow, that's a difficult one. Um, I think um, I think it was actually more to do with the fact that I uh, was working as a as a photography teacher, and I came into that as a um, as a commercial photographer, and within that context, um, I started developing a creative practice. So it's not it's not the the kind of the normal way that kind of people start by being you know having always been artists. It's kind of developed through through a space that allowed me uh, the opportunity to really um, look into developing a creative practice. And then in that context, I kind of for a long time I searched for what my what my practice was, and I was kind of always. I suppose talking to students as well about, and, and later on about kind of finding the voice, finding the particular focus. And I was making work, making work about motherhood, but it took me a while to suddenly kind of realize this is, this is what my practice was. And I think that's, that was a, that was quite an interesting, it's interesting when you see, when, when that happens and you look back and you think it was there all, all along and you've kind of, you know, how did I not see it? Etty, how did you find moving from more of a traditional technical side of photography, which um, I suppose the commercial side would have been uh, a more formal photography, into more of a creative practice? How did you find that change? Um, I think it took a long time and I was very insecure about it um, along the way. I was kind of experimenting and trying things and kind of very unsure about myself. Um, and I suppose um, it kind of helped having mentors along the way. Um, I can't remember exactly when it was, but I, I, I um, started studying for a practice-based PhD at Goldsmiths. And I was um, assigned um, an artist called Melanie Mancho as my um, tutor. And when I was working with her, um, that was when I started developing the series Yocasta. Um, and it was a very strange thing to do because I basically kind of started playing with a, with a scanner and started playing with kind of, I don't know, pressing my child's face against a scanner, um, uh, plate and really not sure that this, um, you know, just being very unsure of myself. Is it, is it, you know, what, what's the validity of doing something like that? And it was really helpful to have, um, 
just to just to have somebody so um, well known and and and, and experienced say to me, yes, keep keep doing that, and then and then it all kind of de- developed from there. I think I think your caster is kind of thinking a- a- ahead to this conversation because really maybe what is important to say also is that not only t- talking about my start but also the fact that I'm not actually practicing. I've not been a practicing artist for quite a few years now. Um, and I kind of, I was thinking about my work, the work that I have produced over the years and about how it, I always felt a bit uncertain about my work. And I thought that I'm not a proper artist because when suddenly I started making, when, when your caster started coming together, it was more like autotherapy. It was more a real, it came from such a deep place because it came from, from my own, you know, experience of being, of having postnatal depression and really struggling to bond with my eldest, my firstborn. And then suddenly I found this mode of expression, which had, had, um, so much, um, so much passion in it and so much rage and so much pain. And it was so um, raw and, and honest. And it kind of, it's like as if what I did was like, I don't know, I'm kind of saying beyond art, but that's not, I'm not, I'm not any better than, it was, it was something else. It was this expression of pain um, that just came out and was, um, served such an amazing purpose for me because it was, it was a real kind of process of, of self therapy and it allowed me to accept uh because I was put making it putting it out there because I was um making it visible and public it allowed me to um to kind of forgive myself and to accept myself um and uh, yeah and I kind of I mean maybe just to kind of explain a little bit more like why I'm not practicing a few years ago I um there was a, a restructured university and I took voluntary redundancy and now I, I work full time, um, in something completely different. So I'm, I'm kind of, this is, this is a particular period in my life, um, a period where, um, I was in a position to make this work and I had this opportunity and it took me a while to find what it was that I wanted to express. But when that, when it clicked, it was just so powerful. Um, and then, and then, the, and, and then the kind of the, and then the kind of the theory and the critical analysis came together and the understanding of why I made it and what I was trying to say. Um, and there was always also, also always a really powerful kind of political element to it because I truly believed that when I was kind of experiencing my, kind of hard, hardship with adjusting to motherhood with kind of postnatal depression um i felt that there was nothing out there that allowed me to um see that i wasn't alone or i wasn't the only one and i kind of truly believed that there was something seriously wrong with me as a as a person even because i struggled so much with uh, bonding with my child and that um struggle 
um, made me feel very passionate about trying to do something about it and create something that hopefully if anyone else was going through that um, and had an opportunity to see um, my work or, or other work that expressed it, that it would make it easier and a, a woman in that situation wouldn't feel so uh, monstrous like I did. The, what you're saying there, Etty, is really reminding me very much of the work itself, uh, the pieces that I've seen of the series. So I'd like to try and describe the images for the listeners, if I may. Um, the pieces that I've seen are large-scale close-up scans of you and your young son, both of you pressed against the scanner plate. Um, these images are really bodily um, of squashed faces and body parts merging almost to this lens that's so close and unforgiving. It, and it's, it's one of those where you look at it, especially from, uh, from my own perspective as a mother, um, and you see a mixture of joy and passion and that intimacy and connection with the child, but also the true raw pain that you obviously felt but that can be reflective of um, such major changes that happen when you when you have children. Yeah, that's wonderful to hear because it's it just kind of means that what you experienced when you saw them is what I was hoping to achieve. Um, and um, yeah, I, I can I want to talk a little bit more about. So you've described it. I want to kind of say a few more things about about the process and about um, about the kind of the thinking. No, it wasn't thinking because it was very um, instinct, instinctive when I was making it. But it it really I really wanted to shout. I really wanted people to. I, w I wanted to confront people, and I wanted to make work that will be difficult for well. I don't know if I wanted the work to be difficult for mothers, but I wanted the work to be difficult for a general public. And I always thought about, well, the work has some violence in it. It has kind of, it has in the, in the way, in the body, body, um, in the kind of tension in the body, in the hands grabbing hold of the child's hand or the child's kind of face, um, because uh, yeah, I didn't want, I suppose, and again, I'm kind of mixing the, 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 the practice itself and the kind of the post thinking about it and so much work around motherhood, I suppose, by, at that, that, up to that point or even since is just, um, it's soft and it's palatable and it's beautiful and it's, and it's sentimental and it's, um, and there was nothing for me, you know, there, there was, I, I wanted none of that in this work. I wanted, I wanted people to feel the pain and I wanted them to be disturbed by it. Um, because, because I, I resented the fact that I was so invisible to myself and to others when I was there, you know, with a child who I just, knew that something that I was doing wasn't, something was wrong. And I think another thing about, about the, the postnatal depression is that I never got any help because I was too scared to say anything about it because I felt that there was 
you know, I should be locked up. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of nice to hear that your kind of experience of the work tallies with, with, with what I wanted it to, to do. I find it really interesting to meet an artist like yourself who has had an experience like you had, not only referenced it in your work, but given a glimmer of that type of emotion and experience that, that really hits you back as a, as a viewer, that makes you want to talk about the issue. So, Etty, some of your other works, um, the Nuclear series, for example, uh, include family portraits um, done over a period of years. I've seen some of the work, but I don't know very much about it. I'd love to hear a bit about that work. Um, and, you know, was it coming from a similar place? But Nuclear came about, um, it was kind of trying to create a community and, and um, reaching out to other families. Uh, so Nuclear was basically a series of portraits of families whose children they always they had one or two if twins children in the same year as my middle son at school um and i kind of went into people's homes and i used a large format camera um which i i enjoyed using because it created a new completely new tension around how you experience being photographed in it was made kind of around the year what was it? Probably 2010, um, 2011. So, you know, digital photography snapping was very, um, very much part of everybody's experience of being photographed. And I was kind of, um, I thought it would be interesting to bring in a very traditional, very kind of yesteryear historical type device into a family home and work in this kind of slow, nearly painfully slow method and um and in that creating an opportunity for different things to be revealed to the audience because um because the subjects weren't um, practiced in how to present themselves to this kind of uh recording um process so that that was a bit of fun and i think looking back at this work it's each family kind of reveals its own dynamic. There's kind of little tensions, little um, kind of unconscious things about body language, about touching, the way that they, they, the, the bodies kind of uh, stick together or keep apart. So they kind of each tell a, a, a story about, about an individual family. And then also as a collective, they tell a story of a, of a community, of um, actually kind of families of millennial children because they were all born in the year 2000 so that was a bit of fun um but there's there's another series that i i want to maybe mention it's kind of sad that my my website is not up it hasn't been up for for a while so i don't know that's terrible of me i should probably sort it out and bring it back up again um but i did a series called um um the IKEA Lack Coffee Table Family Portraits series. Um, and that was done around that same time. And it was a series of daily, um, photo photographic, daily photographs taken of our family. 
with a, a camera on a tripod with a timer, and we stood on IKEA lack coffee table coffee tables, uh, positioned in different places in the house, and kind of covered the whole house. Um, as in each day, it was a slightly different position, and it took it was for it ran for three months, and it ran from my um, youngest middle son's birthday, which is the twelfth of May um, of June, sorry, the twelfth of February, um, to the my my eldest son's birthday, which is the twelfth of May, which is three months, um, and and it was kind of a reaction to how do you know what to photograph, what's important, what's not important, and to kind of create a um, system that would kind of take away the decision for me, um, and it's just kind of. Same, same family, same group of people, every day, slightly different, but also the same. Um, yeah, it's kind of one of my favourite pieces, basically. I came across a couple of the images of that work, actually, yesterday, Etty. What I really loved was the humour. It's funny to make a family stand on an IKEA coffee table and for it to be that IKEA that every day... Uh, reference um it just ha that series just has got a really good sense of humor to it um whilst also very seriously looking at family groupings and um contemporary ideas of the family uh, and so much reference as well to modern day consumption i mean you, you so you took the photographs um every day for a period of time and with with our modern consumption of photography with phones and social media uh, it's so relevant. Um, so I would encourage listeners to check out your links below the podcast that we'll put there um, and, and see some of this work. Yeah, I will look. I will look up a few links and I will send it. Send them to you. I think the Thank other you. thing about the IKEA Lack Coffee Table Family Portrait Series is the power that I exerted by um, and the, and the family kind of indulging me, <laughs> kind of you know being able to do that the mother photographer in charge, whipping the family into shape and saying, this is what I'm doing now. It's nonsense. It's bonkers. But this <laughs> is what I have to do. And you're going to do it because I say so. How did, how did they take that, the, your, your partner and your children? How did they, were they quite they, they willing? Created, they created little resistances within, the, within it. Um, and actually they... Um, tried to hide and tried to – my husband basically grew a beard, um, which started from the beginning of the – and I didn't even notice that he was doing it. And then I was, stuck <laughs> with it for, I was stuck with it for three years. Eventually, he agreed to shave it off. But they kind of, they kind of retaliated. They, they, they did their little kind of resistances within that. Um, um, and, yeah, so, so they, they indulged me, but they also um, took – um, took their own little revenge on me by the, for for making him do making them do that. I love that. I want to see the series now and just see this beard progression as well. So, Etty, you have um, mentioned already at the start of the interview that you um, have not been calling yourself a practicing artist now for a few years. Do you, um, is this something you're happy to go into with us, or would you like to leave that? No, I'm I'm happy to go into because. So my role is, I suppose, changed. I um, 
I've kind of set up a business and I run a business now and I, um, I provide for my family and this is, this is, this is what I do now. And, um, and it's, it, this is, this is the, the phase in life that I need to do it. Um, what I'll do in the future might be different, but this is where my focus is now. And it's, I kind of, I, on the one hand, I don't have any choice, but on the other hand, it also gives me a lot of pride that, um, that I'm, that I'm carrying this, you know, that I'm taking care of my family and, um, and I'm doing it, I think, well enough. Um, so yeah, this is what I'm at. This, this is where I'm at now. I think it's really important for us to hear about um, artists like yourself who are taking a break from practice, Etty, because so many, many um, do. Um, but also to recognise that, um, that as women, as artists, as people, any people with other responsibilities, sometimes we do have to make massive changes. And this is part and parcel of our lives. Um, and it's part and parcel of artists' lives as well. Yeah. But I think I'm, I'm really grateful for this opportunity to, to talk to you. And because when you contacted me, um, you and Amy, specifically Amy said that I, she considers me a pioneer or somebody who's kind of set something in motion or has been there at the beginning. And that, that, that is really meaningful for me that I, I really, and actually having the opportunity to talk about my work today, I've not done that for a very long time. And I was worried about, whether I'll find the right words. And it's been a real pleasure for me because it did come out flowing and, and I, and I expressed, you know, the things that I wanted to express. It's there. It's, it's there. It's in me. Um, and it was a pleasure to, re to realize that it's still there. I've not lost it. I, I know what I was doing. I know the, the reasons. I, I know the, the emotion and I could express it well. And it's lovely to, lovely to, to kind of, to, to, to find that, that those words are still there in me. You certainly are. Um, and with regard to words, Etty, I know that within the writing of your work, you've used the term maternal gaze um, since the early 2000s when your um, photographic series were being made. Um, and during the 2000s, as it was during the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, and still now, it's not necessarily the done thing to be making work about being a mother. Um, this work and this idea is still so relevant today. So could you talk a bit about what you mean specifically by the maternal gaze? Hmm. I think the, one of the things about um, representation of motherhood is that the mother is always the um, the subject, and the kind of point of view, the maternal point of view, is hardly ever acknowledged. Probably because it was because there's so few, you know, there, there has been in the past so few bodies of work from that particular point of view, um, and it kind of makes me think about another piece that I suddenly forgot, but is actually probably the most easily easy to find still online which is 57 Baths, um, which was a series of videos that I created. Um, and I used a little micro uh, video camera that I um, strapped onto my forehead and I used as a third eye. And these videos um, are basically 
there's no, there's no editing to them. There's just a recording of handling a child at the end of a long day um, in the bath um, with everything that comes with it, with the screams, with the cries, with the um, kind of a, um, and sometimes and with the fun that comes with it as well. And I think that was that was a kind of a really classic maternal gaze. Can't you can't get more maternal gaze than that? Um, strapping a camera between your eyes and recording everything from that point of view. And it was just bringing, you know, making that point of view visible. Oh, thank you very much, Etty. You're very welcome. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you for listening. This was Woman Up, a podcast series by Desperate Artwives.